Welcome to Group Talk, a monthly podcast centered around strategic ideas for leaders of small groups. Are you stuck in your ministry? Are you looking for practical help in leading your small group ministry? Well, you're not alone. This podcast exists so you do not stand alone in your ministry. We really are better together. Let's get ready for this month's group talk with our host, Carolyn Takeda, Executive Director of Small Groups at Calvary Community Church in Westlake Village, California, and a part of the leadership team of the Small Group Network. Welcome to Group Talk. Thank you for joining us today. Well, we've all been in seasons of life that have been difficult, and maybe it was personal in nature, uh, maybe there was marital distress or a loss of a loved one or a prolonged illness or maybe some financial stressors and, of course, parenting challenges. Um, and everyone in life has to figure out how to function in our jobs and our roles while going through some of the hard stuff. But for people in ministry, sometimes um, these tough seasons are brought on by unique challenges of being in a leadership role at a church. So maybe you've had to weather um, some dissension in the congregation, maybe a church split. Um, Usually there's gossip and judgment being passed around, possibly. Um, Or maybe you've had to pick up the pieces when there's been a moral failure on the part of a senior leader. You've had to help your congregation heal and move on. Or perhaps it was your own sin. Um, that was hidden and later on came to play a um, big role in interfering with your ability to lead others. So whenever we face these challenging things in life, it's so tempting to just deny it, to pretend it's not so bad, and to just kind of have a stiff upper lip and soldier on. But what if the way to um, freedom and wholeness that Christ has for us is through vulnerability and through working through this pain? And we always tell our groups to be authentic with each other, but what does it look for? like for us to do the same as leaders. So how do we lead authentically during the tough seasons of ministry and through our own pain? And so I've invited with me a good friend, uh, Laura Copeland. Laura, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much, Taylor, for having me. It's a great privilege to get to talk about this with you today. Very cool. Well, Laura um, has been serving on church staff for almost 10 years in various roles, um, mostly in small groups ministries, and she has a desire to see authentic, honest community where people are being transformed um, by the truths of God. And she recently, like a, less than a month, right, joined the small group yeah, team at Saddleback but... Church. <laughs> yeah. How's it going over there? <laughs> it's good. You know, it's a great church. I'm learning a lot and just get to work with some really great people over there. Well, um, I'm glad you're using into that. Um, I joke about Steve uh, Gladen, our founder of the Small Group Network, and, of course, the Small Group Pastor at Saddleback, kind of poaching people that he, he wants to have on his team. And so he found Laura <laughs> also through our Small Group Network. Laura serves as um, the manager for our Facebook uh, group page, and that's probably why her name is probably familiar to many of you. And she serves on our communications team with the network um, and is part of the Orange County Huddle. So... First of all, um, this topic is kind of huge, and I know it's a passion that you and I both share about leading authentically, um, but neither of us are therapists or people in the mental health uh, field. So tell me, what prompted your interest um, in this issue? Yeah, I, I feel a little bit uh, like I don't have the credentials. I'm not a psychologist. Um, you know, I, I haven't studied this in depth, but I really feel like this is a journey that I've I've walked through. And so more so just um, the growth I've experienced in my own life as I've just been trying to learn how to do this well. Um, just a little bit of my story. Um, you know, I remember sitting in the pews as a kid growing up in church when it was announced that 
our senior pastor had a moral failure. And that was kind of my first introduction into um, just kind of this hardship of what happens when uh, senior pastors walk through hard roads and sometimes make poor decisions. Um, I've been working on staff at a church when a pastor that I worked closely with had a moral failure and I had a front row seat to the devastation that ensued and just trying to walk through such a painful time and figure out how do I process my own grief while also trying to shepherd the flock um, that we still had at our church. And, you know, I've had friends at seminary where I saw not only what they were doing in their off time and the things they were struggling with, but also just seeing the fear that they had of how do they struggle through what's going on in their own life while also feeling so afraid of what would happen if people at their church found out what they were working through. Um, and so we all tell examples of hard times we walk through while in ministry, sure. and we're just trying to figure out how do we honor God and be authentic in our own faith while also feeling like sometimes we live under a microscope, and that's just a hard balance. I think we're all trying to figure out how to walk. That's a, that's a great way to put it. Um, just yesterday, this is kind of funny, but yesterday um, someone stopped me in the lobby, and it's not someone I know very well, um, and she said, you know, she's going through our um, our fall curriculum, which has me interviewing our senior pastor on it, and she was um, trying to affirm me by saying, um, you seem so normal on that interview, <laughs> and we're really enjoying watching this and learning from you. And I said, what do you mean I seem normal? Like, I am normal. Um, and she said, no, you're not. Um, you're not, but, you know, you seem normal, so that's good. And I walked away kind of scratching my head going, am I not normal? And I think what she meant to say, and probably a lot of people in our churches kind of think, okay, you're a leader, especially in a staff pastoral role. Therefore, somehow you're not like the rest of everybody else, but we we really are. <laughs> um, and that's yeah. maybe part of the problem Yeah, and with it. And I think... I think this is something we all we all feel in ministry. I feel this so much of, you know, I have something hard going on in my life or I have a thing God brought to the surface for me that I'm trying to work through and find healing and, and freedom from thing in my life. And how do I do that while also leading others and people look to me as kind of a spiritual leader? Um, right. it, it's an awkward tension that we live in. Yes, and I think that's partly why pastors, being a pastor is such a hard um, occupation, and I know we talked earlier about some recent surveys of pastors, and some of the numbers are kind of pretty um, sad, actually. Um, you want to share with us some of the findings you found? Yeah, yeah, I did a little a little digging um, and looked at one of the places I found a lot of interesting statistics. It was the Nine Marks of a Healthy Church website on a few other um, articles as well with statistics. But here's, just, here's a few I'm going to share with you. Um, 70% of pastors do not have someone they consider a close friend. Um, 40% report serious conflict with the parishioner at least once a month. 50% of the ministers starting out will not last longer than five years. Only one out of every 10 ministers will actually retire as a minister in some form. Uh, over 1,700 pastors left the ministry every month last year. And in one survey, 100% of the pastors surveyed had a close associate or a seminary buddy who had left the ministry because of burnout 
conflict in their church or from a moral failure. And that's just a small sampling of the statistics I was looking at just in preparation for talking about this. I know. It's so crazy that, that okay, that, let's just even look at that last one. A hundred percent of us uh, know someone that's um, left the ministry. I, I, I know several, actually, <laughs> um, and I'm yeah. sure you know more than more than one, so I, yeah. I believe those numbers. But um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, why is it so uh, so difficult? And is one of the reasons so difficult is that we don't deal with our own stuff. Um, and why is it so hard for us? to lead authentically, even though we coach and train people to do it, do it on a regular basis? What do, what do you think is the appropriate way for us to work through our own stuff and our own pain while leading others? Um, can you kind of lay out maybe there's some, what are the, some common fears or uh, excuses or perceptions that keep us from being vulnerable? Yeah, yeah. And so just to start with kind of your first question, why why is this so common for us? And I think there's just such a um, shame problem that so many, I think it's human to deal with shame, but I think specifically when you work at a church, it can feel like there's a lot of pressure to have to hide what you're struggling with. And we want to keep this pretty general. This can be because life circumstances are getting hard. Um, because of conflict in relationship or sin, like there's a lot of reasons that we're struggling. Um, but but in general, a lot of times we'll feel like we have to hide that or we can't be super open about it. And so a lot of us struggle in, in secrecy and alone with the hard things of life. And I think a couple of reasons for that, um, I think a church culture elevates pastors. A lot of times we want our pastors to be the people who have the answers so we can look to them and right. say, that's the person who can tell me what to do. They have the answers. They have it together. That makes me feel safer <laughs> knowing that someone else has it together. Um, and so I think so they put them on a pedestal. Right. right. We put our pastors up on a pedestal, and we want to believe that they have it together because then they can tell us how to have it together. Right. Um, so then so we, then the we kind of perpetuate that. We want to stay mm-hmm. on the pedestal for their, we think, yeah. because they need us to, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I think there's I think there's some myths wrapped up in that. Um, I think another really practical one is there's just a fear of losing our job, a fear of losing right. our income. There's kind of this sense of if I if I tell people what's really going on, will I be able to pay my bills next month? Um, and that's a hard place to be in when that's right. the situation you find yourself in. And, you know, we have this phrase that we have to be above reproach. And what happens if we don't know if we're being above reproach right now, but we are human as well. You know, we're not first and foremost pastors. Um, We are all human and and we need to remember that. And we all are going to have struggles and we need safe places to be able to work through that. Yeah. And I I think um, some of it is legitimate, right? I mean, we... Um, as the pastors, we don't necessarily want to burden people with our problems. I, I do think there is a piece of that, not necessarily out of even pride, but more, um, you know, do the sheep need to know everything that's going with the shepherd? Like, how do, you know, how do we discern wisely what things to share and not share? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, oh, and I think that's, that is the million-dollar question, and I don't know if I have the answer because I think that's so specific to each context of knowing your church culture and knowing and knowing how your church culture is going to approach certain issues. Um, so I think, you know, at the end of the day, this is going to be a discernment issue for a lot of people of 
um, what this looks like and how open you are with your church, how open you are with your parishioners in talking through it. I'm, I'm not going to say, hey, you should get up on stage and broadcast these things <laughs> and broadcast your struggles to the congregation. That's not what we're getting to. Um, so don't worry. <laughs> we're not going to tell you to confess your sins publicly right. to your congregation. Um, so just take a breath here. <laughs> um, but, but we do want to wrestle with what does it look like for you to be healthy as an individual and have a place to work out what you're struggling with um, and find a safe place for that to happen. And then once that has provided maybe a good foundation where you've gotten a handle on what's going on, then you can ask the question of, okay, how do I bring this into my church context? But I think the first thing we have to wrestle with is um, how do we just as individuals sort some of this stuff out um, and then use a lot of wisdom and asking the question of, and then how do we live this out in our church culture and how open are we based on, on how open our church is to, to dealing with some issues like this. Yeah, I, I love that distinction. I mean, because first we do have to deal with an individual basis. And though uh, we may feel like, you know, my uh, my um, person in the lobby saying I'm not normal, you know, she was putting something on, on to me, but, the, but it could be there's part of me that says, you know, okay, I like the perception that people have. I want to maintain this perception that I have it all together or that I'm somehow more, you know, um, I'm more progressed <laughs> in my spiritual mm-hmm. walk or something else. I think there is a danger of uh, we buy into it too. It's not just um, people putting it on us. You know what I mean? It's um, There's yeah. something that feeds our ego and pride when we, feel like we, you know, we have to kind of keep it together and keep that image going. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do we break free from that? Yeah, and, and let me just share it to um, just just briefly first for my own life. I've, I've found times when I've been sitting with someone who has come to me wanting to talk about what's going on in their life, and um, there's been times when I've really felt like if I share my brokenness with this person, it helps unlock um, a conversation that we wouldn't get to unless I first went to my broken place. Um, and so I don't do that with everyone, but there are times when I'm sitting with people and I feel like the Holy Spirit will put it on my heart and say, it's okay to share your brokenness with this person because they need to see how I, from a broken place, am finding God instead of me from my pedestal and finding God. And I think the typical right, person right. in our youth, in our congregation, they're sitting in their brokenness. They're very aware of their sin. They're very aware of their brokenness. And sometimes we need to go meet them and say, hey, in my brokenness, in my sin, here's how I still connected with God and found hope. Um, and I found some really powerful life-changing conversations have come when I was the first person to say, here's my brokenness, here's how I struggled, but also here's how I found incredible hope from Jesus and healing in my brokenness. And that's opened up some of the most life-changing conversations I've had with people. Um and so the the place to get to to be comfortable with having those conversations, though, because that's not tomorrow. If you're not comfortable talking about your struggles to begin with, that's not a conversation you can have tomorrow. <laughs> um, Probably or not. Actually. <laughs> so there's some steps I just want to walk through and just share a little bit of here's how in my journey, just some really practical steps of how um, I've just learned to practice this and I've learned to practice vulnerability and and learn to um, be in touch with my own brokenness and find a lot of healing in that. And so the first step, and this is the place we always have to start as ministers, um, and one of my favorite phrases is we have to preach the gospel to ourselves. Um, The first step for all of this is to preach the gospel to ourselves and to remember that we too 
even though we might have a title in front of our name or we might, you know, have a job at a certain building, um, we too are sinners that are saved by grace. We have to ground our worth and our identity in Christ and what He's done for us. And and when our worth and our identity are firmly grounded in knowing that we are sinners saved by grace and our identity is in Christ, that gives us a lot of freedom um, to share courageously with others because my worth and my identity are no longer on the line in these conversations. I know, and that's so easy to say and easy to preach, and it's um, sometimes it's hard to live that out kind of deep within um, the heart places and our souls. I, I think I remember um, Brene Brown in her book, um, Daring Greatly, she talks about how our worth is off the table, and the mm-hmm. whole idea that because Jesus paid it all and because we're deemed um, a value as sons and daughters, that our self-worth is always off the table. It's nothing we do, mm-hmm. no failure, no sin is going to put that back um, in play for us. But yet we live as if you know, we still have to earn that back every day, and we don't. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is, right. I think, almost a discipline of, I like how you put that a lot, Laura, the preaching the good news, um, not just to others but to ourselves and really receiving that grace for ourselves, not just extending it to others, especially because that's our role to do so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that's a hard question to go, you know, is being a pastor your identity? Um, I, I think maybe for people who've been pastors for a long time, um, that might be almost more difficult because it's hard to separate out um, that role from, you know, who you are as a child of God. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, so preaching the gospel to ourselves. Okay, that's a great great first step. So I'm envisioning that that probably involves a lot of time alone with God, kind of wrestling with stuff, kind of like the um, the psalmist does and David, King David does, kind of wrestling with God with all of it and letting him examine us and, and receiving that mm-hmm. from him. So mm-hmm. what would be like a, yeah. a second step then? Yeah. So I think once you've gotten to a place where you have your identity in Christ, your worth is in Christ, you've internalized the grace that's been given to you. And the next step is to find a safe person. And um, you mentioned Brene Brown, and so I'm taking this phrase from her, uh, practice vulnerability. Um, Vulnerability, learning to let people into what you're struggling with, really is something that takes some practice. It takes some baby steps. It takes opening up a little bit and seeing how people respond to that. You have a good response from a little bit of vulnerability. You learn to be a little bit more vulnerable and a little bit more right. vulnerability. And it slowly over time will feel, well, first it'll feel incredibly uncomfortable and you feel incredibly exposed <laughs> to people about what you're struggling with. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of like those junior high nightmares of being naked and everyone seeing you, like you're yes. living that in real life the first time you do this. Yeah. So, um, so, <laughs> so there is a lot to this idea of practicing vulnerability. Um, and, you know, the, the secret Carolyn and I don't want you to know is really you need to go buy a book by Brene Brown and read it. Uh, <laughs> that's really what you need to do right now if you're hearing this and you want to know more. Um, um, you know, and she spoke really at, yeah, she actually spoke at the um, Willow Creek Leadership Summit this, fall, this summer, um, and I think it's her second or third time there. And she spoke about um, now her second book, but it's really about just constantly this refrain of you just can't run away from pain. The only way through um, to growth and freedom and wholeness is through pain, which is very, very um, biblical. 
You know, we have mm-hmm. to pick up the cross. Yeah. We've got to follow, and then that's where the freedom comes from. But, okay, I'm kind of curious now um, if you could give us an example of what practicing vulnerability looked like for you. Um, what might a baby step have looked like in your life? Yeah, um, I would say um, I'll share an example um, from earlier in my life. Um, There's a season in my life a couple years ago, I was going through a pretty dark period. Um, I've struggled my whole life with perfectionism. Um, I've struggled with people pleasing my whole life. Um, You know, you talk about how we want the love of Christ to compel us. And the reality is a lot of time perfectionism and people-pleasing was what drove me. Um, and so I just always struggled to understand grace. Um, and so I found myself in a season, and it was after a breakup. That was kind of the trigger that sent me down this path of just dealing with kind of the heartache of disappointment. And I just started making some pretty uncharacteristic decisions. Um, and I, I could look at my life and feel like this isn't this isn't characteristic of me, but yet these decisions are coming from a place in me um, that I just haven't dealt with. Um, I have a professor from seminary one time. He gave us this illustration of life is like a tube of toothpaste. Um, We can put the cap on the toothpaste and try and keep everything inside. But when enough pressure is applied, um, eventually what's inside is going to come out, you know, so we can share. choose how that comes out or we can have life make it explode in a much messier fashion. And so I was just in a season of life where I feel like a lot of pressure is being applied and some parts of my heart that um, I just really hadn't internalized the gospel and started coming out. And um, again, it was just a pretty dark season for me. I'm really grateful. I just really would say by the grace of God, I didn't do anything that took me over an edge, but I definitely got close to some, some edges and making some poor decisions in my life. And and that was a season where God just really walked me through having to get real with myself, having to really see some of the most broken parts of my own life. And it was as I really started having some trusted friends that I started inviting in and I started saying, Hey, here's, here's what's really going on in my life. Here's kind of the, here's kind of the ways I'm acting out that aren't healthy. And and I can recognize here's ways I'm acting out that aren't healthy. But here's the hurt that's driving that, and here's where I really need to know where God is at in the in the midst of what feels just like a really dark season. And then having a few really close, trusted friends who I invited in to what felt just like an incredible, messy season of my life, having them love me, having them care for me, having them respond to me mm-hmm. with grace, um, was such a tangible picture of the gospel of how in our brokenness, in our sin, we're afraid that God's going to see our brokenness and our ugliness if He's going to run away from us. But instead, He just right. moves closer. And so when I showed kind of what I thought was my ugliest part of my life to friends, and they responded by moving closer and loving me and, and speaking just grace, gracious words to me, that's what really started a really huge healing work in my life. And, and I can look at that season and I can say, man, I... I'm completely changed. Um, there were sin, there were sins in my life and then kind of this driving hold that perfectionism had in my life. God loosened that and broke that. Um, but it took a really messy road to get there, but I was able to right. do a lot of redemption, a lot of healing, but it came as I invited people into those broken, messy parts of my life. And it, and it, and I, I mean, that takes a lot of courage to do. I, I, 
I guess, you know, maybe for some pastors, though, especially pastors of smaller churches or feel like they're really in the fishbowl, um, it may be harder, perhaps, to find those safe people. Like, what um, what criteria did you use to select um, who those people would be that you would open up and be transparent with? Yeah, for me, that started, I was really, really grateful for some some friendships I had from seminary during that time of life. And so there are some really close um, girlfriends that I had from seminary who I just had known for a couple of years. And so for me, it started with building relationships and then trusting people who were outside my church um, to bring yeah, them Yeah, maybe that's that. helpful to have, have a community yeah. outside um, if inside feels too threatening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I got to the point, I mean, I, I think I was pretty blessed in, in being in a church community where there was a lot of grace, and I feel like I could talk to people on my church staff about what I was going through, um, and I did have some close friends that I worked with, where, and I'm incredibly grateful. I realize this is not true for everyone, but I did have some, some friends on church staff who were my accountability partners in some ways, um, just in the sense that I knew to go to them with what I was struggling with because I wanted them to walk through it with me, and they had permission to ask tough questions into my life. Um, but, but initially, this was a journey that started for me with people that were outside my church, and um, because that felt like the safest place to start. Right, which um, it may be a discernment uh, issue as well. I know sometimes um, I've had at least I call my one um, at least one staff friend. Um, and I'm on a staff mm-hmm. of a larger church, and so there's a number of people. And so it's been throughout the seasons. It hasn't been the same person as people, you know, go on and off staff. But um, God's been really kind to give me at least one person on staff that I can process with. Um, and we know the culture, and we understand the, the challenges. And um, and I find that really helpful. But, you know, you kind of – I think part of the, the fear is that what if you trust the wrong person? Um, and, you know, I know mm-hmm. we, get, we get burnt sometimes. Um in, in doing so, and we maybe hurt others in that process, but I guess that's a discernment piece, really. Um, and there's been seasons where I've actually prayed and said, okay, God, I need a friend. Um, I need someone mm-hmm. who gets me, who gets this piece. And sometimes it's not just one person I found. I don't know if this is true for you, Laura, but I found that maybe mm-hmm. here's, you know, one person who can help me with, um, you know, leadership type struggles, uh, another person who can help me with, you know, my mom-wife side of things, mm-hmm. if that's an area that, that's that's rough um, for a time. But it's, it doesn't necessarily all have to be the one perfect, you know, BFF or everything. Um, I need yeah. a whole committee, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I do, too. I need to have my entourage with me at all times. No, I, there's a lot of wisdom in what you're saying, Caroline, and I think this goes back even to that sense of, talk about practicing vulnerability, this, this takes time. And, and to build these relationships, if you're listening to this and you think, I don't have that person in my life. If, if my life kind of fell apart for, for whatever reason, and I don't have that person, and don't wait until it falls apart to find that person. <laughs> and so that's where that sense of, it, it does, you might pick the wrong person at first, but that's where you start slowly. You build trust over time. So again, you're not tomorrow going to meet someone and say, I'm going to open up the deepest, darkest struggles of my life to you, but I can trust you with a little bit and see how you respond to that. And um, Brene Brown talks about this too. She says, you know, the, the right to know what's really going on in your life True vulnerability has to be earned. People have to earn the right for you to to trust them with the deepest parts of who you are. And so these are relationships you want to be cultivating now 
before you need them if you don't have them already. And so um, if you're thinking, I don't know who I would talk to if things were falling apart in my life, if I was really struggling, if I was in a dark place, I don't know who I would talk to. Um, start now with looking for that person and praying for who that person might be and slowly over time, gradually invite them into deeper levels of your life and see how they handle it. And if they come close and they break your trust, um, that's, that's okay, you know, but maybe don't trust them any deeper um, and look for someone else who can be a safe person in your life. But, but don't wait until you need that person to find that person. Right, because it's really, um, these struggles are going to exist. If you're not going through it now, you probably will later. Um, so mm-hmm. there's, you can do the, the work in the short term, the now, um, and hope for the reward um, later on as it unfolds, or you can just avoid mm-hmm. it and keep being, um, staying on the pedestal and yeah. keep stuffing <laughs> it away like your toothpaste analogy and then later on yeah. have that, that explode. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I that seems to be the, really the only choice, right? It's either now or later. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's reality. I mean, I think light always out darkness. And the piece that, that just hits close to home on my heart for this, because I've seen this over and over again, and a, a lot of you, Carolyn, I know you've seen this too, um, God is jealous for the people of his church. God cares for who shepherds his flock. And if someone is shepherding his flock and, and leading or hiding something while shepherding his flock, um, that, that sin does not stay hidden. God has a way of bringing uh, our hidden stuff to the surface. And so I think we really do have a choice of either we on our own terms can say, I'm not going to hide, I'm not going to struggle alone and in secrecy and in darkness, but we're called to be people of light and we're called to to be people who walk in, in light and have no part of darkness in us. And so I think we can choose to do that on our own terms and trust God and willingly walk that road with him. Um, or we can try and hide it and try and keep things alone and in secrecy. But I think we all know that eventually uh, it comes out and it comes out a little bit messier when it's against our will than it does when we make the choice ourselves to deal with it. Right. Um, that's so true. And I think we just have a little bit of time left, but I did want to talk about how, um, you know, there's a little plug for Small Group Network because, you know, when Steve envisioned this um, many years ago, it came out of a heart of wanting to make sure um, that no small group point leader would be standing alone. And the idea that mm-hmm. those struggles that we may have as point leaders and running a ministry and shepherding and caring for our small group leaders so that they then build healthy communities, um, a lot of times these mm-hmm. leaders didn't have any place to go. And so Steve envisioned a, a national, now international group of people where we would have these huddles and we would have connections. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking um, of one of the places where Laura and I interacted was um, at the lobby conference, which we have every year with the network, which is coming up again in March um, in 2016. But that um, we, you know, there was a group of women, um, and a few years ago, I just had this, thought I was struggling with some issues around women and leadership in the church, um, and I had talked to a couple other small group pastors who were women, and they said, yeah, I'm having a similar thing, and so God had kind of knitted together this little community, and we don't keep in touch on a regular basis, or we don't have, like, um, a main, like, a, a big regular community, but... 
we're there mm-hmm. for each other. And so I just remember seeing even last week someone had posted an article. We have like a little separate Facebook thing saying, you know, hey, there's a great article about that was very encouraging to women leaders. And, and I think it may be something like that. That really lifted my spirits that day just to go, I'm not alone. Yeah. You know, because at, at the end of the day, I mean, that's one of the, the lies that Satan tells us is that you're alone, you're messed up, and you're on, you got to figure it out on your own. And like all of that's just not true. Mm-hmm. You know, that we yeah. don't we we aren't alone. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think the the idea behind all this is we really want and the heart of a small group network is we want you ministering at your full capacity, fully exercising your gifts with nothing holding you back from what God is calling you to. And we, we want you to live in freedom to minister out of just an abundance of love in your heart that God's put there. Um and, and we believe that you're gonna find that best when you're doing that in community and you have Carolyn, like you said, people who are encouraging you, people who are walking with you, people who are cheering you on. Um, and that's, that's why we have this small group network. And so um, if, you're, if you're wondering, how do I find this? What's a practical step? What can I do? Um, we have huddles. We have um, all around the country and even internationally, we have small group huddles where you can be around other people from other churches, walking through similar situations, talking about what's working and supporting one another and ministering. So that's just such a great resource. And I love that the small group network exists so that no one stands alone. And, um, you know, we even have on the small group network website, if you go there in our about section, we even have a care team um, who just want to be there to care for pastors and help you um, through times when you're struggling. And so we have some great resources in the small group network to make sure that you're never going through something alone. We want you to connect and find healthy relationships that will help you flourish in ministry. Uh, uh, that's such a commercial other... for the network, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm actually not but paid it's... for this, believe it or not. Uh, exactly, <laughs> I was going to say, uh, we, we all do this out of, out of love, and because we believe so much that we are, we're better together. Um, Laura, thank you it so is, much. Is yeah. there any final thoughts you'd like you'd like to share before we sign off? Yeah, let me just let me leave you with two books that have just so influenced um, my journey as I've been walking through and trying to learn some of this. Um, Carolyn, we've mentioned Brene Brown. She has a couple couple great books. Um, her book, Daring Greatly, is one I would point anyone to as just a really great resource to walk through. And she just puts a lot of really great language to talking about shame, to talking about vulnerability and what that looks like. And then another book I love pointing people in ministry to is by Henry Nouwen. It's the book that I read every year, and it's called In the Name of Jesus mm-hmm. by Henry Nouwen. So those are just two books. I'm a, I'm a reader, so I would love to point people to those books and say those have changed my life by reading them. That's great. Yeah, those are really great resources. And we'll post those books uh, or links to them along with some other resources um, for you on our Facebook page um, and, as long, of course, on our website as well. Um, so, Laura, thank you so much for having this conversation. And it's, it's so cool how God has used you and continue to bless you and your ministry. Um, and now I'm going to expect, like, a really high level of um, transparency next time I see you. <laughs> Even more so than we normally we normally have. <laughs> All right. Um, Done. Uh, so thank you. Thank you.
You're welcome. Um, our pleasure. So um, thank you for joining us. We're going to be posting this on our Facebook page. And if you want to interact with Laura or share your own story of how God's helped you through um, difficult seasons in ministry and share your wisdom around that, that's a great place to interact with other small group pastors and directors. Um, and the material is also going to be available on smallgroupnetwork.com. So find your local huddle and um, get connected. So thank you for listening. See you next time. Thank you for listening in to Group Talk, a monthly podcast centered around strategic ideas for leaders of small groups. If you like what you hear, we encourage you to visit our website, smallgroupnetwork.com, and to also interact with this month's podcast guest on our Facebook page, 